You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Game, set, podcast on the Sports Podcasting Network. You seem at home on the court. Let's say that I've played a role. Here in the GSP podcast, Kevin, we are completely objective. I do not have a set of pom-poms in my hand right now. No, what do you have? Like a sleeve? Well, formerly a sleeve? Yeah, no, no more sleeve. Got rid of the sleeve, make the Wimbledon final. Is that, was, wrong? Was that the difference? Wimbledon final. <laughs> no sleeve, you make the final. Hey, ditch the sleeve. I appreciate that uh, Kevin and I, along with the other 35 million or so of us that live in this country called Canada, are the only people that were cheering for Milos today. But uh, <laughs> alas, here we are. Fed fans everywhere are crying and like cuddled in like a bubble in the corner of their apartment right now because, well, in the fifth set, he literally stumbled Federer and Milos Raonic finally beats Roger Federer in the grandest stage of them all. Yeah, and uh, he, he beat him earlier this year to win a title, and uh, it's been Milos' best season. We we're, This game's a podcast, as you know, as you can tell now by now. We haven't had a, a show during Wimbledon because Kevin and I have been busy sort of uh, trying to launch <laughs> soccer today, which is daily at 11 o'clock Eastern in the morning. Uh, if you like your soccer out there, you can listen to us every day. So we've been busy with that, so we haven't had an opportunity, but there's been this historic run going on with Milos Raonic, our local Canadian hero, uh, during this. So we thought that we should get something out today to celebrate the fact that a Canadian – on the men's side, is in a major final for the first time in generations. And it really is an incredible accomplishment by a player that is playing the, the tennis of his life. And, and an argument can now be made, I think, that, that along with one or two other guys, that he is clear number five right now. He's the sixth seed in the tournament, but I think maybe he might be playing like the number five. And today, well, he broke into that top four for sure. Uh, whether he can get it done on, on Sunday, especially if the hometown hero, um, you know, if he can't make the uh, the uh, British man Scottish on Sunday, I think that's still been a remarkable accomplishment by Milos in this tournament, Kevin. No, exactly. It's uh, and under like the, it wasn't flashy at the beginning, just confident moving forward and forward in that draw. And you know, we it has been talked about a little bit, but the help of John McEnroe that started about a month ago, just in time to mentally prepare Milos to go into a tournament like this and this is what John McEnroe has brought to the team of Milos Raonic is the mentality the channel your emotion and one thing that used to be Milos's downfall when you get on tilt when you're starting to get angry and lose focus on uh, in a match sorry you literally uh, start to make more mistake and force errors and his first serve was diminishing in percentage now like example today against Federer when he got angry he got better he was able to channel that energy into hitting the ball that little harder on that serve so nothing Fed could do he was able to change that in this game and I really do feel that John McEnroe even though it's like the intangibles it's hard to quantify I really feel like he brought a lot to Milos well, at that level of the game, confidence is is maybe that fine, fine edge of the wedge that uh, that makes the difference, right? And you can't define it, as you say, it's an intangible in every every way of the word, right? Every meaning of that word, it's an intangible. You can't define it at all. But certainly, bringing a guy like in and having a guy like him have the confidence to be able to accept that position and say, you know what, I can do, I can get this guy over the top, uh, must be a major confidence booster for for a player like Milos who 
he's a very competent player, no doubt, but to break into that elite has always been the stumbling block. There have been the four and the rest for a long time to the point that a lot of people have have wondered out loud in this country whether Milish would ever get the breakthrough, whether he came of came of age during the wrong era so that he would never truly get a major title under his belt. And there's still lots of work to do in this tournament. This was just one step of, of what would have been two very large steps that he needs to make to win Wimbledon. But nonetheless, I remember wa- as I was watching this today, Kevin, I, I at one point thought to myself that no matter what happens from here, he's proven enough to me that I think that because of his age and the fact that he's just that much younger than the than the top guys, that he will last enough, barring a major injury, that he yeah. will win one of these things sooner rather than later. I would go even further that I do believe that maybe even for a short period of time, but with his play eventually in the next two to three years, he might even achieve the number one seed overall. Like, like literally to be number one in the world. It could last a week, but he could amass the amount of points to get there. So, and that could come quicker than later because... Uh, with Djokovic here, yes, he has a huge amount of points available, but two years from now, those will be all the race. So there is a possibility if there is truly a changing of the guards. I doubt it. I think it's just a misstep in this tournament by Djokovic. But we will see. And yes, the tournament, the draw is more open because Djokovic got eliminated, what, the, the third round? Yeah. So, yes, it's more open. And you have, but look, he had to beat Federer. And if it's going to be Burditch or Murray, both of those are worthy of if you beat them to win a championship, it's still saying something. Yeah, and Murray up a set as we tape this right now and, and certainly the favorite in that matchup. Um, look, it, it will be a tough, tough get on the weekend, but uh, certainly making this final, as this, as we saw with Bouchard a couple of years ago. Uh, Two years with, to the day, exactly. Yeah, it will, Canadian will to be Canadian. a remarkable accomplishment, and I suspect that the uh, TV ratings here in Canada will be off the chart on Sunday morning. Um, it will be the most watched event on, in Canada. Let's talk about that for a second, where this fits within a grander scope of Canadian sports. If he were to win Wimbledon, and I do think that Wimbledon okay. is, is the grand slam that he's most likely to win one day, and uh, there's no better chance than now, right? Yeah. If he were to win Wimbledon, where does this rank in all-time Canadian sports moments? It's hard to quantify because of the dominance hockey has in this culture. But nonetheless, this has to be on a short list near the top, right? It's equivalent to a Mike Weir winning the Masters. It's equivalent to a Jacques Villeneuve winning the Formula One championship in the season or the Indy 500. It's those individual sport accomplishments that are few and far between. Winning a marathon, winning a gold medal winning a Wimbledon, it's those type of achievement that are literally the pinnacle of your sport. If you're talking about tennis, what comes to mind? The grass of Wimbledon is still the, like, if you go to the history of tennis, the sport itself, it's the birthplace, it's the the idea, the, the culture, everything surrounding Wimbledon, it's tennis. That's what you think about. And to win this would be major. It's literally equivalent to... A few, like maybe ten event in the whole world that could equivalent to, could equal winning Wimbledon. Like you yeah. mentioned, winning the gold medal, a, a season long championship in an individual sport, winning uh, a Masters like Mike Weir example, a tournament that's very hard and open. Th- that's ex- those are the only equals. Yeah, Donovan Bailey. Uh, yeah, is exactly. The other example I'll put there from an Olympic perspective. Um, look, I t- I'm biased because uh, tennis amongst the individual sports is my favorite. 
always has been, been a lifelong fan of the sport. So obviously I'm going to be biased towards Wimbledon as being the number one annual event in my mind in many ways amongst individual sports. And obviously others may say the Masters. So you're right. You're bang on with the Mike Weir comparison. And I do – it was – more recent enough that most of us listening to this and certainly the two of us likely um, can remember that Mike Weir winning the uh, the Masters. I remember being in a pub in Fredericton, New Brunswick, and people were literally coming off the streets to watch the, the end of that round. It was must-watch must TV on the final Sunday, and I think it's, uh, this coming Sunday here in Canada will be much of the same. It's very it, similar, too, because it was a weekend that Tiger wasn't at his best. It was during Tiger prime time, and Tiger wasn't at his best, and it's there's no asterisk next to uh, the green jacket of Mike Weir, right? We're not talking about how Tiger wasn't good. We're just talking about how, wow, Mike Weir won that tournament. I think the same thing will apply with Milos if, hypothetically, he wins the tournament. We're not going to talk about five years on the road how, oh, you remember how Djokovic lost in the third round and that's why? No. We'll remember, look, do you remember how he beat Federer and eventually beat Murray or Burdich for the final in the trophy? That's what you remember down the road and not, oh, Djokovic wasn't there. No, precisely. No, no one asks how many years later you can't take the title away from him. And uh, look, I, I think, as I said, I, I mean, Mike Weir's victory was wonderful and it really brought in a lot of casual golf fans, of which I would include myself as that. I'm a sports fan, so obviously I will watch golf like any other sport, although it's way down my list of priorities. But that weekend it was a priority. But it also brought in people like my mom, you know, people that just don't care about sports day in, day out. And I think that that's what's going to happen here. Kind of helps that uh, Milos's uh, image is a good Canadian boy too, to sort of bring the casuals all on board. They all want him to succeed. Um, that's no, the other I, question I have is in terms of where he now ranks, even without getting knowing the result on Sunday, where Milos ranks in terms of non-hockey Canadian athletes all time. He's He's got to be getting up there already. You know, maybe a Steve Nash might be still ahead of him. Uh, obviously, I mentioned Donovan Bailey earlier uh, in terms of having his success. But in terms of longevity, in terms of playing a world sport, he's right up there. Easily the best tennis player any gender this country has ever produced just with the achievement that he has done. And you know what I appreciate with Milos Ranić too, and this goes back a long way, goes back to a decade ago and more. If you look right now on Milos Ranić's jersey, it's white and it's it's New Balance, but look on the sleeve. There's a little uh, sponsor, Aviva, which is the new sponsor for Canadian tennis as a whole for Tennis Canada and the name sponsor for the stadium in Montreal and Tennis Canada's headquarters, which have clay and grass courts now, thanks to a lot of uh, investment more than a decade ago. And we've seen the rewards of those investments, starting with Eugenie Bouchard. Bouchard Ronich were a little older in their development path when all the investment were done, but they were one of the first ones to benefit from it. And if you're looking at down the road, the Felix Ollier Assassin, yeah, I'm probably butchering his name right now, but he lost in Wimbledon right now, junior-wise, but he was in the final in Paris. He's on his way there. And kudos to Tennis Canada for investing in the right way, believing in a system, streamlining the talent to a national center and be able to get experience. Go get minds of Spain or Barcelona. Go get the the the... The coaches and the people that built the Spanish system that developed the Del Potros and the Nadal. 
get that expertise, bring it here, and why not? Why can't we do the same? And I think what Tennis Canada did should be more applauded, it should be more talked about, and should be trying to be replicated in other sports in this country. Because look, we've seen from top to bottom rewards and achievements, and it's directly linked to the investment made more than a decade ago. A lot of Canadians dismiss the idea that tennis, the Tennis Canada story should be celebrated because they think that it's just a fluke that militia came about, right? And that's people that aren't paying enough attention. There's also like an inherent um, instinct in Canadians to dismiss our accomplishments as being lucky. Uh, let's put that aside for a second. But no, if you look at the results Canada's getting, uh, even a guy like Popisil that, that's succeeding now at a level that's very high, he's not quite an elite level certainly, but he, he's doing quite well. You look at the doubles continued success, you look at the run to the semifinals of the Davis Cup a few years ago, you look at Jeannie, you look at... Uh, at the youth results, the the boys and girls tournament results, where they're consistently making the final four of Grand Slam uh, events in the juniors right now, and you look at all of that and put it together, and it's directly related to that investment that's happening for the long term athlete development program that, that's tied into Tennis Canada. I'll go so far to draw a direct analogy right now that's happening in world sports that a lot of people are celebrating, and that's what what Canada Tennis Canada has done in a relatively small, you know, sort of middling population in the world in a northern climate where tennis isn't the number one sport for tennis Canada to have as much success that it's done in the short order that it's done is very similar to the Icelandic situation in football very maybe true. that's a little bit more dramatic but it's a lot to do with it it's the same no no it's the exact same thing you're absolutely right and you're just because it's individually and it's not a whole country yeah you're right it is the same thing yeah, it doesn't get as much press, but they did the exact same things. They invested in youth coaching, they invested in infrastructure, and that has paid off, and it could pay off ultimately. And they did get a little lucky with Milos because, as you said, he was early on in that investment cycle, and he boomed out to sort of propel that forward even more, right? Having that guy playing at the very top, having that guy at a Wimbledon final, having sort of the perfect spokesperson that really appeals to Canadians in many ways, soft-spoken, polite, et cetera, et cetera. They couldn't ask for a better person to come forward. Um, you know, and then they had the flash in the pan in Jeannie, and we all hope that she comes back as well, but she's a different kind of personality to throw into that mix. And it just, it, it was a perfect storm in a lot of ways. But no, it really comes down to forethought and investment and the wherewithal to see a project through. And it does need to be celebrated a lot more. And hopefully yeah. with, a, with a Wimbledon final, more people will continue to talk about it. Exactly. And earlier on, like in the Milos, he got some early success and it propelled, like you mentioned, the program forward. If you're a young player and you're told to do something that you don't necessarily agree with, but you see somebody succeeding when he follows those advices and those uh, those uh, training uh, path, like the, the way you train and how you train, how you play, the dedication, the discipline. When you see somebody succeeding and how he does it, it motivates you. So it's a cycle. The next in line, Felix or anybody else that sees Milos perform and realize this, and he's at the same headquarters, at the same training center that Milos was, and he does, does exactly what Milos did, well, you kind of see like, look, this could be me if I work hard enough. So it's a motivational factor for the upcoming generation, and it's a, a, a vindication maybe of, look, what we are teaching you is working. Trust us, we will get you there. And this propels a program forward without hesitation, and this is what you need. You need to believe in your product, and that's what's happening right now with Tennis Canada. 
All right, exactly. We will come back next week, obviously, to have follow up and have a, a more grander conversation about Wimbledon as a whole in a, in a proper game set project, a podcast game set project, game set pause podcast. I can't talk today, Kevin. Game set podcast. Let's try go. that again. Um, but uh, certainly today we wanted to celebrate English Ronich. I'm actually looking. I'm on the Wimbledon site right now, and uh, Lindsay Davenport and Mary Jo Fernandez are about to play uh, together as a doubles team. And I'm thinking to myself, I actually saw them play each other about 10 years ago or 15 years ago at the Rogers Cup. Is so it like 2004? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, Mary uh, Jo Fernandez still looks like she could play. So she looks she's in great shape. So that's yeah. <laughs> if I could watch that, I would. But alas, I don't think that one's on television because there, there's a men's semifinal that's taking, no, you, uh, taking the TV time. Yeah, tomorrow we have the women's final, uh, Serena Williams versus Angelique Kerber. Angelique Kerber deprived the... Uh, William's sister of a meeting in the final great tournament for Venus. She went way further than anybody expected. Now, you know what I'm thinking, Dwayne? Okay, let's go back to Australia, oh. to Indian Wells, and to Paris in the final. Uh, oh, what happened there? Oh, Serena laid eggs. What's going to happen tomorrow? Yeah, I don't know. And look, it's I, I don't like to call suspicion, but it, it's it's beginning to seem suspicious that she keeps losing finals, and I hate to say that. I um, mean, there's no proof of that. To be clear, I'm not I'm saying it's happening. But uh, no, exactly. when you look when you look at what's happening in tennis, and you and look at someone who's so dominant outside of that, there's either her psychology's not there or her motivation's not there for whatever reason, and then that's just a it's a frightening thing to consider. Yeah, when you see Serena Williams doing unforced errors that are uncharacteristically for her, like uh, getting the ball out by three feet once a point, those are not things that are necessary usually in her game. And we've seen this happen three times this year. So will tomorrow be fourth time the charm? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, it's, it's hope. And uh, I know she uh, seems to respect Wimbledon a great deal, as, as any tennis player would. So um, hopefully her motivation will be fully formed and focused on winning tomorrow. We'll, we'll say that. Uh, and uh, any hiccups that she might have had earlier this year were just that. So we hope that. And we'll watch that with great interest. But we'll watch with all due respect because we are partisan here. Uh, we are going to watch Sunday morning a little bit more uh, focused on because, God, as a kid that grew up with no coaching per se, playing on a, on a playing against a wall and with the a wall garbage was winning can beside it. <laughs> and the wall was winning half the time. Yeah, yeah. And on a crappy little concrete court where the net dipped a little bit. I had a hell of a serve because the net was a little bit lower than it should have been in the middle. Uh, so I think that might have not helped the game overall when I got on real courts. But anyway, for as a kid that grew up loving the game, playing in that kind of environment, to see a Canadian at the precipice of winning Wimbledon, uh, it's it's emotional to even think about it, and I, yeah. I hope I really hope that he can get it done. And I love Murray too. I have English heritage, as as people know, and uh, so I cheer for Murray outside of of, of Rounick, but uh, I won't be on Sunday. Exactly. This is the highest. This is the peak. This is the highest that Tennis Canada has ever been. Sunday, that final will be the peak that this sport has ever reached in this country. All right. On that note, uh, we need to wrap it up for the day. We've, we've done a lot of recording today. I hope you enjoyed soccer today. If you listen to that, if not, download that. Certainly, uh, GSP will be back next week with a wrap-up of Wimbledon. And until that time, Kevin, we'll, well say goodbye. Exactly. Enjoy the final on Sunday. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com.